We'll get to episode 251 in just a moment, but before we do, I'd like to ask for your support of I Can't See You. Whenever you need to shop at Amazon.com this holiday season, please use my affiliate link by going to ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. That'll take you directly to the Amazon.com homepage. Shop as you normally do. Check out as you normally do. It doesn't cost you anything more, and I'll earn a small commission on qualifying purchases. Again, that's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash Amazon. And remember... I can't see you sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I C A N T C U dot com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. And happy holidays. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 251 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I'm really happy that you're here for this episode, and I really do appreciate it. More than a few things to talk about today, I'll start off by giving you the last fantasy football update because I didn't make the playoffs in either league. I finished in 10th, or as Liz said, I beat two other players in each league. <laughs> And, of course, I was the ninth loser in that, those same leagues. But I didn't make it. I did go out on a winning note in each league. In fact, I beat Nick, who looks like he may be, or Frank may be, the odds-on favorite to win in the all-blind league. But we'll see. Fantasy hockey, I'm not doing too much better. I think I'm in seventh or so. But that should probably be the last fantasy football update unless I win the consolation round in the Keeper League. And then that means I get something good next year. I think I get the first draft pick. Whoever wins the consolation, the loser's bracket, the best of the losers gets the number one draft pick next year. So I guess that's something to play for, right? Not that there is all the players in there because it's a Keeper League. So you have to hope that there's a great rookie coming out or something like that. I'm going to talk about a couple of different travel things in today's episode. The first one I'm going to talk about was really disappointing to me. Back around Thanksgiving, I ordered an away suitcase. It is a, it's called the Bigger Carry-On. That's a very unique name, I guess. It's a, a carry-on that's big but can still fit in the bins on most airplanes. Up the, so you can obviously carry it on. It will also be big enough to hold one suit along with some other clothes in there. And I need something like that since the last suitcase I had, which was huge, broke when I brought it home from the NFB of Pennsylvania State Convention last month. And I was really excited. Jane has one of these bags, and I thought, oh, I'm going to get one of those. And she, we went through, and she showed me this one that I absolutely loved called Alpine Landscape. And I just envisioned waiting at the airport where there's a, or in a hotel where there's a whole bunch of bags just sitting aside, you know, when you check out and you still have some things to do. So they hold your bag and sometimes they have so many that they have them piled in a corner somewhere. I just envisioned somebody saying, do you know what your bag looks like? And I think even I would be able to spot this bag 
because it had this crazy design and pattern on it that I absolutely loved. And so I ordered it. Well, actually, Jane did it for me when she was home in November. Ordered it on the 23rd. My away package came on the 25th. So two days later, I ordered it on Thanksgiving. I had it on Shop Small Saturday or whatever they call that, the the holiday invented by American Express. Not the holiday, the shopping day. I opened it up, and it was just a blue suitcase. It was an alpine landscape. I was so disappointed, so I immediately went online. I contacted them. And again, Jane may have done <laughs> Jane may have done this for me. I didn't realize she could also be a virtual assistant, but she is very helpful when she's home. That's why we let her come back. Contacted them. They said, sure, we'll get the right one out to you. We'll send you a call tag. Sorry for the issue. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, pretty disappointed. So that one came so fast, I didn't expect the next one, the actual one, to take much longer. And as the following week after Cyber Monday passed, and then we get to Wednesday, Thursday, I said to Liz, I said, I wonder what's going on. And we hadn't shipped out the other bag yet. And I said, well, maybe they're waiting till they get notification that that other bag has been sent back. We sent that back. Liz had dropped it off at, I don't know, Staples or a UPS store. I don't know where she took it. But she dropped it off somewhere. And yet we're still waiting. By the next weekend, so the weekend after Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend, I get an email saying that my order was canceled. And they blamed it on me that, oh, sorry, I, sorry it didn't work out. And that was so annoying because I obviously didn't cancel it. And, of course, it turns out that they didn't have any more. Very disappointed and the customer service was great up until then. I was going back and forth with a person named Sav. And this person told me, okay, if you don't have a refund by the end of the week, meaning two weeks after I had actually ordered it, if I didn't have a refund, contact them again. And I forgot. And Friday night, I'm getting ready to go uh, get, getting stuff together for the Keystone chapter meeting and Christmas party the next morning, I thought, wait a minute, I never got, let me check American Express, I never got the refund notification. So I go into the Amex, and the only thing I see is the charge for the bag, which was 280-something, 260-something, I don't remember exactly how much, mid to upper 200s. So I thought, I better contact them. I, I don't know why I thought it would be taken care of. They just seemed on top of things with their customer service. Clearly, they're not. And I contacted them again, and I said, please refund the money, or better yet, send me the bag, because I still want the bag. But it's a limited edition thing, of course, and it's sold out and never to be had again. No problem. Send, give me my refund. That's all. And I'll start to find some other crazy-looking bag that when I, somebody says, what's your bag look like? I can just say, you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> it's not black. It's not brown. It's not blue. It's not green. It's all of those colors. <laughs> it is awesome. I will put a picture up in the show notes, and that'll be at com slash 251. 
it is just an outstanding looking bag and I'm so disappointed. So I need another bag that looks like that. I know there's a lot of bags out there where you can get those fluorescent colors, but everybody's going to have those colors. And it's not going to be as easy to find once more than a couple of people have it. I'm telling you this other bag, Alpine Landscape, nobody else was going to have this. It would have been so crazy had somebody else had this. But I still don't have the the refund. Now we're I guess almost three three weeks out. When I said to Sav, I said, look, get me the bag or get me the refund. I said, no matter what happens, I, at least I have a good story to talk about on my podcast. Now, I'm hoping that I don't have to talk about it again. I'm hoping that sometime in the next couple of days, and they told me it would take five to seven business days for me to get the refund. As of this recording time, and I'm recording this on Tuesday Late in, the, late in the evening, almost, it's almost Wednesday. And I'll get into why I didn't really record last week in a minute. I love the idea of their products. Jane loves her bag. But this, this experience has just been horrible for the customer service side of things for them. If you don't have it, just tell us you don't have it. Don't send the wrong one and then make it a big production. And now it is a big production. It was just easy enough to, hey, cancel the order and give me the refund. And don't tell me I canceled the order. It's all on you. It's all on them. And that kind of irritated me. And I let, I let Sav know it. He apologized. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if it's a he or she. They apologized profusely. And hopefully it'll get taken care of. But that is my away suitcase saga. Now, I mentioned that I didn't record last week because I would have been able to record Thursday or Friday, but I wouldn't have been able to edit until after the weekend because I had a very busy day on Saturday. Saturday morning, we had the Keystone Chapter normal monthly meeting, and then after we had our holiday party. I almost said holiday Christmas. Holiday Christmas party, in all intents and purposes, it is a Christmas party, although it was during Hanukkah and still is Hanukkah. So I guess it could have been that. There were no latkes, so there was no Hanukkah there. <laughs> and it doesn't matter to me. I, holiday party, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever, okay, because there were a lot of good things to eat. We got a hoagie tray from a place called Primo's, and Liz brought that in. The cool thing about the meeting was we had these students from Penn. I know, I know, all that stuff with the anti-Semitic stuff. But these guys and girls developed this device that they are working on. And I, I missed all or most of the presentation, and I'll get into that in a second. But they developed this device. If you're blind or visually impaired and you have a liquid medication, it is so hard to actually get the right amount. So they developed this thing that has a syringe, and if you have kids, you've probably used something similar to it without the rest of this device, where you put the amount of milliliters you need for the kid into this, into this syringe, and it doesn't have the needle at the end. It's got a, you know, just a plastic opening at the end. And then you get the kid to open their mouth even, <laughs> even just a little bit, and you just push the plunger and shoot the medicine down their throat. Along those lines, they've developed this device that you can set that will automatically lift the plunger up and draw out the number of milliliters that you need to take. Now, if it's a whole bunch of milliliters, and I don't know 
it, it's been long, so long since we had to get, <laughs> to give our kids medicine that way that I don't remember what kind of dosage amounts that you would need. But the syringe they used was a 10 milliliter. So if you use a liquid medicine that is more than that, you'd have to do it a couple of times with this device. But it, every push upwards was one in one milliliter increments. It was so cool. And to me, something that when we had, you know, when our kids were little, it would have been really helpful for me. We had to have this cockamamie way that <laughs> when Liz would give whichever kid needed the medicine, we would weigh on a scale the however much was in there. Let's say it's five milliliters. The spoon, and it's like a spoon that's got like a test tube on the bottom of it. So it's, you know, the medicine just pour, you pour it in and, and uh, so we would weigh it. So we knew five milliliters of this specific medicine weighed X number of grams. So I knew that when Liz was at work and I was at home with the, the kid that was sick, I could just figure I need at eight, eight grams of the medicine or whatever it was. Again, not really a great way to measure liquids by weight. But once you figure out what the equivalent is, and every liquid is a different weight. In fact, hot water and cold water are different weights. So once you figure out that 32 ounces of hot water is 930 grams, you're good to go. And it is, by the way. I don't know. Cold water, I don't know. So this device was really cool, and I hope that we can get them on an episode of White Canes Connect just for, and again, I missed most of the presentation, just to get an idea of what made all of these sighted students decide, hey, let's come up with this device that could help blind and visually impaired folks. And it was really cool. Now, I mentioned that I missed most of their presentation. On meeting days, when we have meetings, I am constantly running around, whether I'm helping someone get from the front of the museum to our meeting room or someone from the train station, which is across the street, Penn Medicine train station, right across the street from the museum. I'm constantly moving. The only time I'm really in the meeting most of the time, and it was a little bit different because of the party as well, is when I'm doing my treasurer's report. Sometimes I get to hear the secretary's report. And I I usually use, they have a segment called the presidential release, which is when we hear from the NFB national president, Mark Riccobono, he goes over what's going on within the NFB and so forth and so on. That's the time I use to go to the bathroom because that I know I can listen to any time online. I can get that whenever I want. And I could, I could also listen when it's live because he does it live on YouTube and so forth each uh, the beginning of each month. And because of the party, I had that much more to do because Liz came with the hoagie trays because the place didn't open until after I had to be at the meeting. So she came in afterwards. I took the train in like I usually do. And then she came in and dropped the hoagie tray off and also dropped off these awesome gingerbread latte cookies. And they are so good. And I, I may have put the I may have put the recipe somewhere. I may have put it up when I talked about them last year because she's made them before and it is one that people really like. And I will find that recipe. I don't remember if it's a food network personality that did them. And she has, and I'm not kidding you, 
well into the five figures <laughs> in recipes. And every one of them is on paper. And she was making something the other day, just a side note, she was making something the other day. And I said, you should have these all digitized because what if something happens? She had it up on the counter. The golden menace could come and eat that in a minute while she's cutting something up or running into the fridge to get something. He loves anything, that white paper, tissues, uh, paper towels. I was, talking to, <laughs> I was talking to Brian Fischler one day on the phone when I was making my iced tea and there was a paper towel on the counter. And I said, and Ziggy puts his front paws up and he's looking and he starts to go for the paper towel. And I say, no, no, Ziggy. Oh, what's he going to tear that paper towel to shreds like Wes would do? I said, no, no, no. He doesn't tear it to shreds. He eats it. And he's very weird with some of the stuff he eats. So why she doesn't digitize all of them, I don't know. But she has all these recipes. This one is a great one. Again, it's gingerbread latte cookie. And it is so good. It's got fresh ginger in it. It's got ginger powder in it. It's got espresso powder. So it's got a kick. It keeps you awake. (laughs) And it tastes delicious. So usually on meeting days, I also get plenty of steps in. So that's also very cool. But I, again, I missed everything with, or most of the things with the Penn students doing their presentation. I did get to see the device and hold it in my hand and give some feedback. And then we all gave feedback as a group after everybody got a chance to feel it and hold it and and mess around with it a little bit. Now, one thing, everything was 3D printed. And for me, you have to hold it in your hand. It's not something, and and maybe when they finally do develop it, it'll be something you can just sit on a counter. Still, you've got to hold it. And it just, it had hard edges. And it would be nice if they could be rounded at the back where your hand would easily fit on it. If you're a golfer or if you or blind or visually impaired, and you walk with a white cane, uh, the the place the place where you hold the cane or the golf club, it's got a it's got like a grip. It'd be nice if it had some sort of rounded grip like that along the back of this unit. But a very cool idea, and I hope we can have them on White Canes Connect so we can talk to them about that. But it was a fun time at the Keystone Chapter party. Afterwards, we got to spend some time with some folks who don't always come into meetings and a couple of new people came. So that was very cool. We did a white elephant, which is always fun. I had to leave a little early though, because I was going to Harrisburg. Yes. To the crown Plaza hotel. That was disappointing, but it wasn't too bad this time. I'll get into that in a minute. I was going to Harrisburg for a combination Pennsylvania Association of Blind Merchants and BEP program. I don't know what they're called. They're uh, vendors, let's call them. Holiday party or Christmas party. Again, whatever you want to call it. And that was, again, at the Crown Plaza. We had dinner and then we hung out and we did these auctions. And it was a lot of fun. So I left from the Penn Museum. I had to get in an Uber because I kind of cut it a little close. I was hoping I could take... SEPTA, again, go back to the Penn Medicine Station. I only needed to go one stop to 30th Street Station. But by the time we had gotten through most of the White Elephant, 
I missed the train that would have taken me from Penn Medicine to 30th Street. I didn't have enough time to walk there, so I had to get an Uber. It was less than 10 bucks, so that part was cool, but uh, I was mad that I had to use the Uber. So I, I get over there. I figure out what stairwell I need to be at, and I believe it was number nine. And in fact, somebody saw me and said, oh, we'll take you down. And I said, okay, that's fine. I, and I went, ended up going down in an elevator and then getting on the train. And it's funny, a, another passenger came up to me. After the train pulled in, one of the red caps said to me, okay, uh, we're going to go in right over there. And this lady noticed that the guy was pointing. And I didn't even notice that. And <laughs> and she said to me, she was started talking to me. She said, you know, he was pointing, she, he was pointing to our right and uh, – and so forth. And I said, oh, okay. I kind of figured as much, but I didn't know. And we started talking about how, what would be best uh, for help to get on the train. And I said, as long as I can find where to walk on, I'm usually pretty good. So I got on the train a couple hours. I got to take a little nap, which was nice, even though I ate two of those cookies at the <laughs> At the party, I guess that caffeine didn't keep me going long enough. But I, w- I was exhausted, though. After all the running around at the Penn Museum and being up late because I knew that, hey, I had to have my treasures report done and some other things done before I went to Harrisburg, I probably only got three or three and a half hours of sleep that night, which isn't much less than I normally get, but I like to get four and a half hours each night. And uh, and it was nice that I was <laughs> able to take a little nap. It's about two hours on the train from Philadelphia to Harrisburg. So I did, I did get to sleep a little bit. And I got to Harrisburg, and I was hoping that, A, it wasn't raining when I got out there, and it wasn't. And B, I was hoping that it was still at least a little light because the hotel isn't far from the train station. And it always pains me to jump in an Uber to go from the train station to the hotel because it's so close. And since I wasn't bringing an actual suitcase, I was just using a backpack for my stuff. It was heavy, don't get me wrong, but it was on my back. So I could easily walk. I didn't have to worry about dragging my suitcase over uneven pavement and whatnot. So I said, you know what? It's still light enough out. I'm going to walk over there. So I walked over to the hotel and that was awesome because again, it saved me about eight or 10 bucks. And I got to the hotel. I checked in, no problem. The person said to me, okay, the elevators are right behind you, and I've been there enough times to know where where most of the stuff is. And so I said, I'm not going to take the elevators. I'm going to walk up to the eighth floor. And the right inside the front doors in the lobby, there's this grand staircase that goes up and then splits to the right and to the left, and that takes you to the mezzanine level. And from the mezzanine level, that's where when we had the convention there, that's where everything took place. And from there, you can get into the stairwell to go up to the other floors. I walked up to the mezzanine level and I said, man, I'm too tired. I'm not not walking up the next six flights. So I pushed the elevator button and I went up on the elevator to the eighth floor. I usually don't do that if I'm not carrying something. And again, I wasn't carrying anything because the the backpack was on my back, not in my hands. So I get everything situated, and then I go down to the party. And it was great to see everybody. There were so many people that I've never met before because, A, most of the folks don't come to the state convention. Not, not that many of the people there were actually in the NFB. There was a decent number, but most of the folks seem to have been uh, BEP uh, vendors, 
And I'm not sure that's what they're called, but for all intents and purposes, they're people that operate a business enterprise program business that is either a vending facility, whether it's in a post office. When I say a post office, I don't mean the corner post office where there may be a Coke or a Pepsi machine. I mean giant postal facilities where all sorts of activity is going on and forklifts and packages and hundreds of thousands of square feet and 30 or 40 vending machines at minimum. Some some of the other vending areas are along the rest stops on the interstate highways. There are also those grab-and-goes or blind bodegas like I worked at with Kirk. And, and I also worked in the postal facility as well. Not the hugest in the area, but still, again, very, very big. And so all those folks were, had come. There was around 30 to 35 of us. I don't remember what the final total was. But we were going to have dinner in the restaurant and they had a very limited menu for us. And and that was okay. I mean, they offered <laughs> – when I first picked up the paper, I said, I wonder if this is the menu. So I took out my phone and um, I don't remember if I used Seeing AI or Be My Eyes. I used one of them and I, I think I used Seeing AI just because I have it set and I'm not going to say it now. S lady, what's this say? And then it's a shortcut. It just opens Seeing AI for me. And – it said daily specials, and then it listed four items, a hamburger with fries, chicken wings and fries, a salmon dish that came with green beans and potatoes, and a shrimp pasta with a cream pesto sauce. That was it. That's all that was on the menu. You picked one of those four things. And so it was okay. I was kind of hoping there'd be maybe some appetizers. They did They did have some desserts, which I all which I also got. But it was nice to be around all these folks. And again, a lot of folks that I had never met before. And so got to speak with those people as it was. I ended up sitting at a table for dinner with Denise Brown, who's the president of the Greater Philly chapter, as well as an NFBFPA board member, and Stanley Ingram, who I had never met before. He had uh, dinner at our table, and Pam Baccaro, who maybe took three bites of her hamburger while sitting, quote-unquote, at our table. She was running things, so she was constantly running around doing things. So she didn't really eat that much. She didn't really eat that much. But it was so cool. Everybody that showed up, when you introduced yourself after everybody was situated, you said where you were from, what what your business was, were you, if you were in this postal facility or this um, rest stop or whatever. And then they... You got to you got a Powerball ticket. Somebody had donated a Powerball ticket for everybody who was there. And then if you won door prizes, they started giving Powerball tickets away. And then if you won any of the auctions, they also gave you a Powerball ticket. My Powerball ticket won four bucks, so I was very happy with that. So the auctions, there was five there were five. And what they were auctioning off, evidently the Pennsylvania Lottery has these, I think they call them Santa Packs. They are $101 scratchers, and they're holiday-themed, of course. And the cheapest one went for was $180 or $185. The most expensive one went for $275. So we raised over $1,000, or right around $1,000, for this <laughs> for this program. I'm laughing. I'll tell you why I'm laughing in a second. 
for this program that happens each summer where some of the BEP folks or last year it was Pam Baccaro, who is president of the Pennsylvania Association of Blind Merchants, she went to Penn State to show these kids, they do this camp, and it shows them what the BEP program is and what they can do. And again, like we do with the Keystone chapter, going to St. Lucie to see those role models. So kids have role models to say, oh, that, that guy does that. So that sounds like something I might be interested in. Same thing with the BEP. There's a presentation. They have other speakers talk about business and the business enterprise program, as well as other business in general. So it gives these kids an idea. And so there's a, some expense related to that with printed materials and things like that that the kids need. And so the theme of the night is for the little blind kids. Well, let me tell you, the the kids are not little. They're in high school or greater. (laughs) And I mean, maybe there's some that are in middle school. I don't think so, though. So that was the theme of the night for the, you know, come on, bid, bid, bid it higher for the little blind kids. And, and now, you know, (laughs) Now you know where at least part of the title to this episode came from. So it was a lot of fun to be with everyone and hung out at the bar probably until, I don't know, maybe 1130-ish. I I don't even know. It didn't matter. I didn't have any other place to be. And again, I don't really drink, and I was very disappointed (laughs) that there was no iced tea. I need that caffeine to keep going. And so I ended up having cranberry juice with a slice of lime, which isn't the same as <laughs> isn't the same as iced tea. And I was again disappointed. Just like during the convention, they had a raspberry iced tea, but it is sweetened, and I don't remember if it's sweetened with sugar or some other sugar substitute. I had one, and it's just so sweet. I just I didn't like it, and I don't like to drink the artificial sweeteners, and I definitely don't like to drink the sugar sweet, and so I wasn't getting that. I knew I wasn't going to have that. And hindsight, I should have just asked for hot tea, which I'm sure they would have had, and then just asked for a cup of ice, and I could have made my own tea that way, my own iced tea. But it was a lot of fun. Again, we raised about a 1000 bucks for that program, and it is something that we hope to do more often. There's a meeting in Harrisburg late March, I believe it is, when I went to it last year and then it got canceled after I checked in and everything. And they, it got canceled because the building, the state building that it was in, the labor and industry building, had an asbestos problem and they closed the building for a few days to take care of the problem. So there's a couple other times we may do this. And it, again, it was a lot of fun. And it was great to be with all these people, meeting these new people, seeing some people that I already know, and just a whole bunch of fun. I'm so glad that I went. And then the next morning, got on the train, train number 666, back to Philadelphia. And <laughs> even though the train was 666, we didn't have any trouble there. And I got home, and all was said and done. And I got to see not seven hours of commercial-free football, but a decent number of hours. And Liz recorded it to me, so at least I could see Scott Hansen talking about that, or hear Scott Hansen talking about that. I'll put a link in the show notes. I mentioned at, in the intro about my affiliate link to Amazon, com slash Amazon, where I'll earn a small commission if you make a purchase, any purchase over at Amazon. 
but I thought at some point I want to start talking about different products. And there's a product out there that I would love to buy, but I'm afraid to buy. It is a Sony A7 Mark IV camera. And I would use it primarily for video. But the reason I love the idea of it is that it has a screen reader for the menus, you know, for the screen on the back. So when you're doing the menus, you could hear what you're selecting and so forth. And we had Sam Seavey from the Blind Life uh, YouTube channel. We had him on White Canes Connect, and he had talked about that earlier this year. And I love the idea of it. The problem is it's around $2,500. And not that that's crazy money, but I don't trust my hands. I drop everything because of the way my hands are. And I would love to try that camera out and play around with it. Maybe one day when I go up to New York, I'll go over to B&H before I go see Jane. <laughs> and I'll, I'll play around with it to see how it, it all works out. And so I'm going to put a link to that. It's very cool. And I'll put a link in the show notes to the Amazon page with that camera on there. Again, it's the Sony A7 Mark IV. So if you know somebody who's blind or visually impaired that also wants to take video or pictures, check out that camera. Again, it's an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission, and I don't remember what the percentage is on electronics. Electronics is usually pretty small, probably 2 or 3%. But I will put a link so you can check it out in the show notes. You can tap over there. And if you do buy one, that's great. I, you, I'd love to know if you like it, how it works for you, and I'd love some feedback on it. It would be awesome. White Canes Connect episode 091 is available. And in it, we talk to some folks from People's Light, which is a theater in Malvern, Pennsylvania. They recently did a audio-described version of A Christmas Carol. And Hedro Theater in Rose Valley also did that. In fact, Simon went to one was on a Saturday. That was the one at Hedro. And the other one in Malvern was on a Sunday. He went to both. So I haven't really had a chance to talk to him about the, comparing the audio description and things like that. The episode turned out really good. But one thing kind of made me mad as I was listening to the episode. There were a couple of things, actually. And this came up in another episode of White Canes Connect when we had a gentleman by the name of Thomas Bell on eh, probably about six months ago who does audio description for various productions and things like that and does a great job at it. He said it at the time, and Lee Jackson from People's Light also mentioned it. And I completely disagree with the thought process behind it. And the thought process is, and there's another thing that bothered me, but I'll talk about this first. If it is a black-themed production... They want somebody who's black to do the audio description. If it is a LGBTQ-themed production, they want someone who is LGBTQ to do the audio description. And I said to, I don't remember who, that if you do, it might have been Lisa, if you do that, I don't know if you watch NFL football, you know I do. But CBS has a woman that does play-by-play. Now, to the best of my knowledge, there are no women that play in the NFL. So how could they have a woman do that? 
So my thinking is just like back in 2019 or 2018 in Las Vegas at the NFB convention, there was a resolution that stated if there is a blind character in a production, it should be played by a blind person. And one girl stood up opposed to this. And she was wiser beyond her years because, and I know I've talked about this more than once on the podcast. Her thinking was, and she stated it, that if we're going to fight for those blind acting jobs, we're never going to get any of the sighted acting jobs. And as more than one person has said to me, isn't acting pretending? And that's true. My thinking with the audio description, I don't care what someone is, looks like, but as long as they can tell me what's going on in whatever I'm watching, I don't care what they are, what their sexual preferences are, what their race is, what nationality they are, just tell me what's going on. I just want to know what's going on. They're not part of the production. They should not be making the words perfect and beautiful. They've got to say, there's a guy with a gun in the corner of the room. Not like, oh, there's a guy with a gun in the corner of the room. It doesn't have to be like that. Just tell me that there's a guy in the, with a gun in the corner of the room. You don't need any kind of dramatics from the audio description. And <laughs> so that was, that was one thing Two things that bothered me with talking to the folks from People's Light. And, and when I'm editing this, I, I thought, thank God I didn't think about this when we were talking to these people because I, I would have maybe directed some questions. And when we do something on White Canes Connect, we're, we're doing it to help them draw attention to themselves in a good way. We want people who are blind and visually impaired to go to that production because now it has audio description. Now, the other thing that bothered me, and Simon kind of clarified when we talked about it at the Penn Museum on Saturday, most of the theaters that offer the audio description, and I talked to Denise Brown about this too, most of the theaters that offer it, offer it on what's called relaxed viewing, relaxed theater. I don't remember exactly. They called it a relaxed performance. And what that means is people are talking and moving about, and it is a day, the, the performance, when it's relaxed and they offer the – they're getting everybody who has a disability in at the same time. I don't necessarily want to sit in a performance where there's people talking and running around and switching seats. That's distracting to me. And I thought – and I said this to Simon, what happens when I want just audio description? Is that ever possible? And he clarified everything by saying they're trying to get more audio describers on so they can offer that more frequently than one show per run of a performance of a specific play or musical. And so I'm interested to see I'm going to Fat Ham on Sunday, the 17th. And I'm interested to see how the audio description is. I, was, I got so worked up after editing that episode 091, and it, the episode came out pretty good, I think. 
And I don't know how well the performance was attended because I haven't talked to Simon since Saturday. And like I said, he went to see it. And he's a big part of this audio description learning network where he's offering feedback and things like that so people can get better. The audio describers can get better. Again, you don't need to be dramatic. You need to tell me there's a guy in the corner with a gun. I don't care what color shirt he's wearing unless it's part of the overall plot. It doesn't matter. And I'm hoping that I'll see what it is on Sunday with Fat Ham. And I said to Jane, I said, you know, I really want to see a play in New York. And I talked to Denise about this. Denise goes to a lot of shows. New York, Philadelphia, she told me the other day, she said, I was in Chicago on Thursday. I said, oh, really? Why'd you go there? She said, take a guess. I said, I have no idea. She said, I went to see a play. I said, you went to Chicago to see it? She said, yeah. And she said the audio description was great. And that's all you need. Some people complain about text-to-speech audio description. It sounds very mechanical sometimes, and it does sometimes. I'll give you that. But if it can tell me there's a guy in a corner with a gun, that's all I need to know. As long as it's not distracting, it shouldn't take away. Audio description shouldn't take away from the general performance. And that's what it's got to be. It's just got to tell you what's going on. It's the equivalent of doing play-by-play in a sporting event. And knowing, unlike a sporting event, you can't talk over any of the dialogue. You've got to squeeze that in. There's a guy in a corner with a gun before that guy in the corner says, hold it right there, I'm going to blow your brains out. You don't want to talk over that because I want to know that, hey, this guy's serious. He's going to shoot you if you don't do whatever he says. And I am not... (laughs) This is <laughs> this is not a debate on guns. <laughs> That's just the first thing that popped into my mind. So if you got a pro- <laughs> if you've got a problem with that, please reach out and let me know. But again, it's not a <laughs> it's it's not a referendum on gun control. <laughs> I listen, most people want to see murder mysteries and things like that. I'm just using that as as an example. <laughs> so check out episode 091. You'll get a better idea of what is going on in these performances and how they do audio description. Doing audio description for a live performance is certainly more different and more difficult than doing it for a TV or movie because you've got one chance to get it right. You blow your line in a booth, a sound booth, when you're doing TV or movie, go ahead and do it again. (laughs) You can't tell the play to stop while you redo what you just got wrong. Denise was telling me a lot of the Broadway shows, it is a recorded track, and some of them, it is just through your phone, which to me is outstanding, and I don't understand why it all can't be like that when you go to a baseball game or you go to a movie. Why do you need a special device when everybody pretty much has a device that can do all sorts of things in their pocket already? And hopefully at some point, somebody will make that happen with especially the movies, because I can't tell you how many times, not since COVID we haven't been, but how many times we would go to the movies and the device either didn't work because it wasn't charged or it was broken, or they gave us the device for people who couldn't hear and (laughs) it just made the volume louder. I didn't need that. 
I needed the one to tell me, hey, this is the guy's putting hoisin sauce on his whatever he's eating. Just need to know what's going on. And again, it's different. So I'm excited to see Fat Ham, and I believe it's live audio description. And I'm, I'll get an idea of what it's like. And like I said, at some point in the near future, in the next month or two, I plan to go to New York to see some sort of show. I'd rather it not be a musical, but it may be a, <laughs> may be a musical. Maybe I'll go see Planet of the Apes, the musical, from Chimpan A to Chimpanzee. That is all I have for this episode, episode 251 of I Can't See You. I really do appreciate you listening. Remember, show notes are over on the website, ICan'tSeeYou.com slash 251. That's ICan'tSeeYou.com slash 251, numerically speaking. Please reach out if you've got questions, comments, show ideas, anything you've got. Please reach out via phone, 646-926-6350. Again, 646-926-6350. You've got up to three minutes to leave your name, your town, and whatever you've got to say. And again, I will most likely use it on an upcoming episode. And I'd love to hear from you and let, let me know whether you've had audio description problems, you have no idea what audio description is because you're cited and you've never even heard about it until now, please reach out. And if it's something that you just need to email and you can do that too. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. There is no limit there. You have as many characters as you need <laughs> to tell your story. Just know this, I will listen to that email anyway. You can also reach me on the socials at David Benj, as I always emphasize at the beginning of each program. That's on Facebook and Twitter or X, whichever you prefer, Instagram, threads, and LinkedIn, as well as YouTube, where you can also listen to the episodes. And I did get my setup in, but it turns out it's far enough away that I need a brighter light to put on the device that I have my camera now sitting on, which, so maybe the next episode will also be in video. I'm not sure I'm going to be comfortable doing that because the one thing that I see very, very well is glare. So we'll see how that works out. Again, I do appreciate listening to this episode. Be well, stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.